This is Splice. You're listening to a recorded session from Splice Beta 2022 in Chiang Mai. We've edited this, but only slightly. Hey, this is Richard from Splice. In this one, you're listening to our friend Anu Harchu, a YouTube creator, on how you could start a YouTube channel. So let's start with the very first question. Because So who here already has a YouTube channel? We have a few. Okay, and the rest wants to have a channel, I assume, right? So for the rest, and also maybe just think about for the people who already have a channel, I want to ask you this question. So what has been stopping you from creating content for YouTube? Whether it be shorts, whether it be full-time videos, just think about that. Maybe jot down three answers in your case, because each case is different, and I just want you to think, reflect on it. What was the stopping factor or the, the boulder in your way to do that? So reflect on that. How many of you said you were shy? None? Ooh, okay, one, we have one. How many of you thought you were, felt uncomfortable showing your face on camera? We have more, we have more. How many of you did not know how to start? In a way, what would be the trajectory or like the very first session or training? A few more. Okay, let's try to tackle that, those issues, but it's not an issue per se, it's nothing wrong with us. It's just something that we need to pass through or move forward from. So today we'll be talking about just finding your voice and also touch upon some few content strategy that might help you in creating your first channel and possibly your first few contents there. Let's find out your why. As journalists, I used to be a financial journalist, so we do know the, all those five WHs and one H, like where, when, how, all that thing. For you to become a content creator, at least create content for digital platforms, the most important question of those six is why. Why do you want to do content? Why do you want to uh, be a creator? Doesn't mean you have to be a creator under your own name. You can be hosting a show on your media, plat media company's platform there. Just think about why. What's your goal to create on YouTube? What do you want to get out of it? So far, we're only talking about ourselves, quite selfishly, but let's think about you first. Let's take care of our own self. What do you want to get out of it? Next question, what do you want to be known for? Because whether or not you're putting yourself out there, if you're hosting the videos and such. So eventually you will be known for that specific expertise. And if you're a media professional, you are on a specific beat that you are covering mostly. Maybe you want to be known for that specific expertise, maybe something else. So these things are to get you started on how you want to start doing it. Do you have at least one answer for your own cases? Hopefully, I think so. Okay, so what unique value will you be able to provide? I think this, is, this speaks to uh, the input that the, the gentleman in the back inputted. So what type of unique value will you be able to provide? Because, Shirley, how many minutes of videos is uploaded to YouTube? Quite a lot, right? Yeah, quite a lot. 
see 5,000 hours of videos, probably per second, right? Per second. That types of video is uploaded to the, to the platform. It's okay if you don't get a views much. It's fine, I mean, if, if that's what you're striving for. But to get noticed, to get engaged, to get viewed, you need to be able to provide something unique. Take notice of it. it's saying unique, not better. None of us needs to be better than other people, right? We just need to be unique and add different perspective to the content we're creating so far. Now let's go to the question who. Who are you doing it for? It's actually, when you think about it, doing YouTube or doing any professional platform, it is almost like being a journalist in any way. So we sometimes, when we're thinking about becoming a creator, we're always honed in on the viewer or the, co the consumer of the content, in a sense, or the, the news reader, the news watcher. But there are actually two people you're serving. I would say people you want to work with and people you want to create for. The people you want to create for is the viewers, that is, the conventionally, the first users that comes into your mind. But on the other end, people you want to work for is probably, if you're still a working journalist who's trying to up their digital presence or online presence, those are the editors. Those are the people who are going to assign you stories, assign you content to create. So you're serving two customers here. Then that, that bring, so just be mindful of that. So those can be potential employers, potential collaborators, or sponsors even, or clients. If you're not really in the media landscape, or if you're not serving editors, you're probably serving sponsors or clients. That's my case for now. I used to be a journalist, but now I, the, the people I want to work with are my sponsors and my clients. So it's different from it for everybody. And that, through them, to them, you are providing some topical expertise. And if you already had amassed a following there, you are giving the people you want to work with the opportunity to reach your viewers, the people they want to create for now. So it's, it's a three-party thing. And in each section, that's, at least this is my value. This is however you would um, describe. But all parties must win. The creator needs to win. The viewer or the people you want to create for needs to win. And also, the people you want to work with needs to win. That's a winning section. We don't really want to screw over sponsors there. And also, we don't want to, we want to respect the viewers or the people I'm creating for to win. They, want to get, they need to get something of value out of our content. I hope that's giving some perspective here just before we launch into much more. Um... So now that we have that type of the mindset settled, so let's go on to the, the fun part or the tactical part of it. Go on to content strategy. And I was lucky enough to like, get, steal these content from the YouTube slides. <laughs> so credits to that. When there's a word strategy in a word, it always sounds very big. It's always have to be involving teams of people. It's, it can be a one-person thing, and you can apply this business-minded, business-oriented frameworks and tools to even a single-person um, operations. I do my YouTube myself. You're looking at it. <laughs> the whole team is here. And I just passed 100,000 subscribers in, YouTube, in, on, in Mongolia who has 3 million people. So, so it, it can be done even if it's on yourself. So let's go back to the main thing. There's just four steps that you, you can just have 
framework, your creation process. It's just going to help you in just settling your mind around how the progression is going. We do it, we do it instinctively without just you know settling it. Just but naming each steps or something that would probably help you frame your creation process. So we're going to try to cover the planning, packaging, and publishing sides of things. Promotion, we're not going to be concerned about that, especially when you're trying to start a channel. We're not trying to hack our way into it. We're just going to start being comfortable about creating content and then finding your groove. You know, going viral, not going viral on any platform is actually helpful to you. It gives you the time to hone your art. So that, those are four P's of content strategy here, just like the marketing mix, four P's. Let's go into planning. So I want to break it down into a few steps, the planning process. Just like any media organization's workflow, there's also pre-production stage, production stage, and post-production stages. So I didn't realize it at first, but any channels is runs just like a media company, just like a newsroom. We always come together, ideate, and then decide what to make, and then we make it, right? So it's the same thing. So it starts with ideation, ideating the content. But who gets like ideas, all, many ideas all at the same time? Different types of ideas. I'm sure all of you do, right? And who writes them down? Do you write them down? Mm. If, you, if you don't write them down, do you remember to <laughs> make it later? So it's, just, it's not only about YouTube. It's all, all about every creation process. Write them down. So if your organization used project planning platforms before, or any content editorial calendar types of tools, I strongly suggest using the same platforms in your creation process as well. I started with Trello. It's just the simple, easiest platform that I used. I've upgraded to ClickUp. You're seeing my own screenshot. So I've used my own screenshots here. So there are different statuses, which I'll cover in the next slide. But it's, it's a few content are in the ready for publication stage, two in in-production stage, two in writing stage. So it helps you when you're trying to create multiple projects, do multiple projects at the same time. It helps you to combine your um, creation process. You don't have to worry about doing, working on multiple projects at the same time in the beginning, but that day will come, hopefully. <laughs> it did. I didn't wish for it, but it did. So what I'm thinking is um, each creation process is quite different. It uses different parts of your brain or your capacity in each different processes, right? Like sometimes you just want to be a potato and just be in your pajamas and not really film yourself. But then I want to actually write about some things. So what you do is batch everything. Batch write a few contents or ideate a few contents. Then batch film it. Just, you know, take some shower, put on some makeup, and just do the filming in one go if you wanted to, and then write in one go. That will help you optimize your uh, production process down the line, but we can start with only one. That brings us back to the utilized content calendar tool, which I, which I just covered. We sometimes think that 
we are serving the, these platforms, but actually these platforms are serving you. So make it work for you rather than you work for themselves. So tracking your process there, I think I've just touched upon that. Just track each, each project um, along its production line. Industrialization brought us the conveyor belt. Just like that, use the Kanban system to track all your processes down. Also, when you're tracking your process, it keeps you accountable to finish. How many of you started filming yourself and just left it there? <laughs> See? So, because you didn't like follow up through it. So just adding that pressure to yourself just makes you finish, reach the final destination much quicker. Choose status that fits your specific production line. So adjust, your, adjust to yourself. I would suggest starting with templates first and then adjust it to your own personal um, production ideas. So I want to ask you, now this time I'm serious. I want you to think about at least three content or three videos that you could do. Given we've settled upon all the mindset we, we have just talked about earlier. What three content or videos you could shoot right now if you were asked? Think about that. No, not just think about that, write that down. It'll come in handy. It'll come in handy. I suggest you do it. So I'm gonna give you a minute to do so. Don't think too seriously on it, but you might actually leave beta with your first YouTube video. Thanks to this. Um, just an example, I plan to, to shoot one vlog from beta to the whole beta, and it goes to beta, that's the vlog idea that I was thinking. And also, um, there's another video that I'm gonna do is, how do you get your tax refund when you're traveling in Thailand? It's another video that I'm gonna do, because I cater for Mongolian audiences who might not only speak English or any other language, so that's a useful content that I'm thinking of doing. So there are type, types of content you can choose. You just think about the, the title. Just think about the title or what you're going to cover it. Does everybody have at least one? So hopefully you at least have one idea. And this is a, this is a marketing term that I've learned two days ago. And I found it very helpful in frameworking your production line, production cycle or process. And so apparently, there are another three H's, which I learned from Shirley. It's a marketing term. So there's content types that we can call hero, hub, and help. So hero contents are at the top of the notch, highly produced videos or content there. If you watch YouTube a lot, and you already have YouTube creators that you love, do you have at least one that you always watch their video like as soon as it publishes? Do you have at least one, right? And you know who, who he, what he or she or they make. You know you can identify what types of content they make. And think about them. So hero, is, hero type of content is like the big one of them like maybe a documentary style, a lot of resources went into it. Those are the amazing content that these creators make or media organizations make. It takes a lot of resources, a lot of teamwork, a lot of time, and mostly a lot of money too. So those are very rare, but with what keeps you going.
coming, coming back to it. Hub is a regularly scheduled episodic format type of videos. So every month, I share personal finance videos, but every month I start, I do a budget video where how much money I earned last month, and of that, what type of earning income, income streams was that in percentage form. And I say, and I tell what type, how much money I spent, and I break it down into categories too, every single month. It doesn't take a lot of work, I just need to do some calculations and that's it. So it's a regular thing that your audience know that you do every month. Bullet Journal community has a big one on it. People do uh, journaling videos or planning setup videos every month. So the creators that you watch probably already have this. And also help. Help is a great, it's a great content. It's an evergreen content. It's Sometimes it's referred to as, if I'm not mistaken, a searchable content. It's something, it's a content that answers people's question that starts with why, who, what is it, those type of things. And these videos, if you get engaged, if you get monetized, these are the videos that's going to bring you money in the long run. Just keeps earning. So why I'm telling you this, these all three is, you already have written down a couple of ideas for your probably your first YouTube video. Decide which type of content is it amongst in this three for you. What would it be? Is it a hero content for you? Is it a help content for you? Or is it a help content for you? That way, there's a framework around it. I'm not sure if you would agree with it, but people do very good with limitations. What I mean is, when you can do anything, you can't really do much. There's too many choices, you just can't process. But when you're given some parametrics that you can work within, it goes a lot smoothly. That's why these frameworks help, at least for me it did, hopefully it will help you in your creation process. So who has just attended the, the other presentation in the other room? Not much, um, one, I did too. So platforms are going to different format where it's Vertical videos being a very big thing. And for YouTube, there is such a thing as YouTube Shorts. I'm sure you're aware. It's up to 60 seconds types of video that is in a shot in a vertical format to be consumed just in one sitting or so. Doesn't take a lot of effort to watch them. But I think it works very well for new segments because just, just under one minute it works. But personally, I haven't crack the code for short, so I don't have much to say on it. I think you should do your research, hence I just clipped it from the presentation. <laughs> so please look into shorts. The creation process is should be similar to what, you, what we're talking during today. It's just a different types of content that exposes you to the untapped audience that you haven't reached before through the algorithm, I assume, um, because you'd get new subscribers from it. So I've been told. I haven't been able to do much shorts, so maybe next year I'll teach you how to do shorts. <laughs> so let's move on to the next stage of the planning process, the production. Just a couple of things that you need to be thinking about is you are hosting the show or the video. People are coming here to you. They're, they're coming here to watch you. So those who are feeling shy about putting yourself up on camera, you're the star of the show. You're there to deliver. Oh my God. 
you're, you're there to deliver the content, the, the information that they need. People probably start finding you for the content, for the information you're providing first, and they stay on because it's you, your personality, your way of delivery and such. So that's the most important part, the talent, which is you. And then just the basic ideas, lights, camera, action. How many of you do have dedicated cameras for video taking? How many of you haven't started YouTubing yet because you don't have a camera? That's a common reason, answer people give when, well, why haven't you started YouTubing yet? They give, I don't have a camera, I don't have a light, and I don't have a microphone. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. So Alan's gonna show me, show you the, the gear that I brought for my YouTubing section, for my YouTubing for this trip. So that's, that's the camera that I brought. That's my phone. The best camera you can, you, you, to use for YouTubing is the camera you have in your pocket. So that's, use the phone. And we don't, I don't need, I don't need to have this microphone, real, not really. It's nice to have one. You can just shoot on the onboard one. And I just brought that gimbal as a tripod. That's it. So, that's it. <laughs> so take that as you will. So if you, I don't want to hear you saying, like, because I don't have a fancy camera, I don't do YouTube. That's bullshit. So I've just said, right? So I'm assuming all of you, not assuming, I know for sure you have a smartphone within the room. Either it's an Android, either it's an iPhone, it will do. It always does. Um, so lights-wise, use natural light. That's it. You don't need to have a have camera because actual natural light gives your skin so the natural, the the original filter effect. It makes your skin look so good that you actually don't want to use external lights anymore when you when you're looking for access to good lighting. Just before that, that that gimbal is new. This is the the tripod that I used. It's just a Manfrotto one just with a clip, and it, this is a thumbnail of one of my video about the, the gadgets that I use for YouTube. The title says that. The gadgets that I use to YouTube, microphone, camera, and lights. So that's the one that I've used. I do have a camera, but I don't, I rarely use it anymore. I mean, you, you look for, you know, smartness, you know, and you think that, uh, you know, I don't have a smartphone, and then you believe that, oh, I'm not also, I'm not a smart person. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm not attractive to be on a camera. So, so these are excuses, you think? It is excuses. Given, I mean, not YouTubing is not for everybody, given that. But how would you know until you try, right? Just try it out. If it's not, if it doesn't work out, that's good. Well, what's the reason why you don't prioritize sound so much? And when we've been training, it's, it's like uh, you can get up really long with a picture that's uh, uh, going up and down and so on. As long as the sound is there, if you have very bad sound, just erase that whole thing because people will not stay with it. You have a very, you raise a very fair point. So it depends on the content type. Although it's YouTube is a video platform, people rarely like watch it, right? You just play it in the background and they're probably not watching it, you're just listening to it. That indicates audio is quite important. I agree with that a lot. So those type of, that depends on the type of content. 
just in my case, well, I don't do like windy th situations. I am aware of the microphone or the sound quality, but I don't prioritize it because the, just the type of content that I do. And if there's too much wind, I'll just put on some music over it if need be. I'll figure it out, I suppose. But audio is important when the content type calls for it. So I'm not going to dismiss that. Does that answer your question? Yeah. OK. So let's um, move on a bit. So some consideration to have is be accessible is the batch term that we're going to use. Just like I said before, you are the delivery system. The person who's hosting the video, you are the delivery system. The reason why content creators, and I hate the word influencer, but this is a marketing term, influencers took off is that they were relatable. You could see yourself with them or in place of them. So tap into that, be accessible. Don't try to be perfect, shall I say. Just be yourself on, on camera. I know it, when you, when you say be, be yourself sounds like, that's, that's just, that's an easy thing to say but hard to do. I know that, I'm aware of that. So, but um, when I came in, I'm not sure if you said that or somebody else. Like, I go on my camera like with that hair, which it was, was it called? Because I don't care a lot, and people just because everybody has weird faces in the in, in the morning, right? So that's relatable, and that's truth. That's you being your truthful. So don't be ashamed of that. We're not going for TV. We're not going for um, TV shows. There, we don't have to pretend that. Doesn't mean like to release everything, but just don't be ashamed of it, is what I'm trying to say here. And batch create is what we've just touched upon before, because it just simplifies your production method, production line, and that eventually helps your mental well-being. Because <laughs> it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of different mindset to create constantly. So if you want to succeed on YouTube, which I will touch upon this point later, but you should be creating consistently. So batch creating helps down the line once you start seriously thinking about it. And so there is this line, don't ignore the quality of good audio. So just think of, be aware of that. Be mindful of capturing the best audio quality as possible in your own situation. Like, be mindful of that. So post-production, if you have written your video so well and shot your video so well that you don't need editing all everything to you, I'm not lucky enough to do that. If it's not, if your videos don't need editing process, that's great. If, it, if you need to, if you're somebody like me who needs to edit the, your ums and ahs out of the videos, these are a few um, tools that you might want to check out. Um, I personally use Mac OS, so I'm, I'm using a Final Cut Pro, but it is not that cheap. So I will suggest you to go to iMovie or whichever platform or tools that you can start editing. But of all the, the video platforms or the tools that can be used, I would strongly suggest, even during beta, I strongly suggest you to download VN Video Editor. Who knows of VN Video Editor? Okay, no way. Nah, okay, one person knows. Now all of you know. I don't know how that man is keeping this editor for, for free, 
but it is brilliant. You can, you can edit your YouTube videos horizontally or your shorts vertically, it's just brilliant. So if you're, if you're leaving this workshop with one assignment, download VN and start using it. So some consideration on post-production or after you have filmed your, your uh, video. Use jump cuts. Because um, content uh, editors do provide a lot of um, transitions, you know, like, remember like the frame goes out into the back background and then another frame comes in. You know, my, my parents used to use that. I cringed a lot. So just use jump cuts. Just cut, 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 put it together. I think our, our modern, I don't like to say modern, but nowadays we're not really opposed to non-fancy cuts. We're doing them for social media, so don't think too seriously about it. Just jump cut it, put it together for the beginning. And this is something that I always want to uh, emphasize on, or at least it's part of my own creator's values, that pack in as much as value as possible into those video. And I, I'd like to coin the term, but I'm not sure if it's already a term. It's like value per second, let's say VPS. Keep your VPS as high as possible. That's how you get valuable audience there because you're respectful of people's time and also in the end, respectful of your own time. Be respectful, right? People, you don't need to be repeating the same sentence just like I'm doing right now, but <laughs> still that. And don't bother with text or graphics in the beginning if the, if the, if the viewer or the content does not call for it, don't go with text on top. But I mean, using those um, automatic subtitling tools might help, but if you're doing it by hand, don't bother it in the beginning. And if the content type calls for it, go for it. Let's move on to packaging your content. So components of any YouTube video or any YouTube content, well, I should say YouTube video, uh, consists of three things you should be aware of. It's the title, it's the thumbnail, and it's the description. Title consists of 100, up to 100 characters. Sometimes it's good to use all of it. Sometimes it's just too messy. So use your proper judgment to do that because that's the thing, that's the second thing that any viewer is seeing before they decide to look at, to watch your video. So that is there to make for make, help other people to make decisions to watch your content. What's the first one that, one, first thing to, that is uh, making people make decision? If title is second, what would be the first? What do you, what factors do you think when you are deciding to watch a YouTube video? Thumbnail. So there are some texts on thumbnails. There's not. Maybe if the if the content calls for it, put a text of it or not. Don't. Just start thinking the title and thumbnail together, so that the same text is not on the thumbnail and and the title. Just use that to your advantage. So what YouTube suggested was to think to create thumbnail and title together, so that you'd have you derive the best value out of those. And always, always um, utilize descriptions. Content creators, well, in my country, most of them doesn't know description exists, it seems like. 
you don't put anything in the description. Do you know why you should be utilizing description? Any ideas? It, it has to do with marketing. It has to do with SEO, search engine optimization. So when you're doing like evergreen content, like help type of content or anything else, you want to be discovered. And if you're putting text that's discoverable text only in the title, you're missing out on 1,500 character description there. So put everything that a person can discover your content within the description, utilize it. And when people are at, just assume what type of follow-up questions people might have after watching your video, answer them in the description so that you don't have to be answer, replying to every single comment with the same answer. If they don't check out the description, ask you regardless, just direct them to the, the, to the description. It's already there, it will save your time. At least in my case it did. So also chapters, which there's a whole video on YouTube about YouTube chapters, please go watch it. And that's, that's gonna help you in um, doing more long form videos and it makes it delightful to watch long form videos. Okay, so considerations for doing thumbnails is this. Also, I clipped it from the workshop sheets again. But these, I think you can just take a photo of it if you need to. Um, just be aware of these dimensions. There are gonna be, there is gonna be a big play button in the middle, so don't put important information behind any, behind things that are not gonna show your, um, show your face or show the text. Just be mindful of that. So I'm gonna move on quite quickly. So last part, publishing. So consistency is key. So it does do everything, but I believe um, YouTube prioritizes consistency over quality. Because when your audience know you publish a video every Monday at 7 a.m., people are there waiting for it. And because the algorithm recognizes your viewers Go in, go in and watch your video, they, at least I feel like, they are suggesting your videos around that time to other people in their home feed. You get discovered more, seems like. So the consistency is just from algorithmic side, that's the thing to do. On the other end, you would have framework to plan, to shoot, to create. Because if you're, if you're creating and publishing just whenever you like, you're never gonna finish it. And if you have a time schedule, it doesn't have to be weekly, or it could be daily if you wanted to do that. As long as you have a schedule to it and stick to it, you will be successful to your, to the, towards the metric that you are aspiring to be. So prioritize quality as in consistency. I'm not saying quality like very high production value quality. I'm saying quality as, as consistency over quantity where you're publishing in an erratic manner. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. And if you publish two videos in a single day, your second one's gonna get views, the first one's not gonna get any views. So <laughs> spread yourself out there. <clears throat> save, that, save that for tomorrow maybe, right? For next day or something. Just be mindful of that. And Planning ahead does help alleviate anxiety as a very anxious person. I, that having schedule helps. Um, any journalist would know having a schedule helps. I don't need to go into that one. 
and utilize project planning tool for consistency, just like ClickUp or Trello, whichever you use. Even a notebook, that's a planning tool. If you want one, so find whichever helps you. So in down here, there is this graph here, which I just put in. That's the video. Uh, that's the video view of my channel, year to date, starting from this year until October 10th, October 30th of this year. And you see these spikes, like spike in view. Any any guesses towards why that is? I'll tell you. Those are hero contents. Those are publications of hero contents. This is here, this one, this one. This specific videos are hero contents where, so it's done on a monthly basis. Just one content, that's hero content. But the rest is quite consistent. Those are the times where I just do more reg regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> but I'm still, I'm still getting views on there. And obviously, towards the end of the week, the view drops. But be mindful, it's not to zero. There's always views. And I want to say that to go into your analytics, once you start publishing, and then decide on which time works for you, what type of consistency works. I don't want to go into analytics too much, because most of us hasn't really don't have much analytics anyway. So in the beginning, just test out, focus on the creation process, and then after some time pass, start. You could go into hacking YouTube. I don't, I'd rather not, but if it toots your boat, go for it. Oh, I think that's going towards the end. Okay, that's a good one. You're lucky people that you're not publishing content today. I was thinking of, um, monopolizing the Telegram group with your own old videos, like publish it to the group chat, but we're not going to do that. We have seven minutes. Should we do Q&A if anybody's interested? Okay, let's do Q&A. Hi, uh, I'm Rika from the Indonesia. <laughs> I just want to say that it is interesting that you mention how we should be in a win-win solution with the partners that we work with and mm -hmm. also the audience that we work for. I just want to know how uh, much flexible we should. I mean, like in my case, like we develop this uh, various uh, YouTube content that it has a certain formats, but sometimes well, it it, it attract uh, the attention of some clients and they talk to us and they sort of try to uh, push their, you know, can we include the representative from our organization to be included in the video, something like that. And yeah, it's, it's sort of confusing. It's a very interesting offer, but in a way it's also somehow compromise what we try to build. So I just wonder how should, uh, how far we should flexible on this kind of negotiation. When you're saying include your person within the video, that's like more of an ad segment. Should you yeah, include yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, win-win-win is always great for the next customer, right? If you're screwing up your partners, you're not going to... People talk. So it's always great to just be in good terms there. And if you're not... If the audience or if, if the uh, video viewers are not winning, you, you're not winning eventually. So what a creator is worth is the audience's attention. That's the value that you're bringing in. And the clients are trying to reach your viewers through you. 
So that's how the client is winning. And hopefully you're winning financially during the time, right? So that's... If I can add to that, I think a lot of, um, a little bit of what you were saying is also objection handling <laughs> with clients. Um, and I think one of the tips that came from the other talk earlier is, is a local creator, um, Woody, and he was just saying like how even before getting any kind of clients, he was really starting to produce some kind of content, just pretending yeah. like with products that he loves, um, with products that align with your brand if it's not a you know, solo creator, and just see how you're going to show that story, tell the story, um, and then you have, you have a showcase to show to those potential clients and go like, this is the style that we will do, right? And this is something that works with our audience rather than just with words saying that this is not going to work for my channel. Mm -hmm. So I think that could be something to think about from a planning perspective and how you go out with brand sponsorship. Um, think about it in terms of media kit, you need to show some examples. Don't wait for the clients to come before you create examples for them. True. So that they would already have um, some... There's a, there's a question from the... Um, yeah, <laughs> just have a, have a portfolio within and see where is your limit is yourself before people approaches you, and then just settle on that. And I mean, you know your audience best. Not the client's not going to tell you to what to do anyway. So you pitch the how you would uh, promote it yourself and let them go along with it. It's usually when the client dictates how you do sponsorship, it does not go well. It's always if you are dictating or just be collaborative. Does that answer the question? Okay, great. Can you, uh, can you talk a little bit about the niche? Because a lot of us are struggling with this to find out. You know, you want to start a channel, but you are kind of, you know, I call it a stagnation, like where to start, like what to, so can you talk about it? Sure, sure. So it, this is actually a screen grab from YouTube screenshot, YouTube search bar. So do this first, and after this, just type in how to start a YouTube channel, maybe add in 2022, and there are a lot of creators are already making content about it. So YouTube itself, it itself is a very good learning opportunity, uh, learning opportunity there. So what has been happening in the past couple of years is that people have, have been cr uh, recommending narrow down on your niche so that you would reach that specific audience faster in the beginning or so. So that would help you a lot, especially if, you're, if you have your SEO down to the T, using the descriptions and your metadata and such. So that niche content gets discovered because people are looking for it in search. They're not looking for the host itself, they're looking for the content itself, right? The, 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 what, what is being taught. But personally, I mean, but I'm not fully on board with that idea because it's just for my opinion um, that I run my channel under my own name, just Anukashchu, without any niche subject attached to it. And the content that I post is anything that I'm interested at that time. It's so far away from being a niche, it's just it's criminal at some times. <laughs> so the channel started with like me talking about skincare because I was super passionate about skincare. Now I talk personal finances. So whatever I'm passionate about at the moment, fuels that fuels the content that's the creative decision that i made to do so it works for me but if your passion is like long sustaining and you know you're going to talk being that niche per se but 
don't go too deep, like extra niche, one of those like only keyboard people. Like those are ASMR wise, those are great, but I don't resonate with that a lot. But was it Alan or was it Rashad who said like, don't try to create a community. Just go and find one. They're there. They're there. So maybe that's a niche. Can I just add something more tactical? If you're looking for your niche, I think Arnold talked that. about it. Find your passion, right? Because you need to be sustainable. Where is your expertise, your passion? List down the topics. Then do your research. Go onto YouTube, literally there. Mm -hmm. Search that topic. Try your keywords. See what are the top <coughs> ranks over there. Collect those videos. Look at what they're pr producing. Look for the experts, right? What else is missing over there? You are the expert in that area. That's your passion. This no. is how you're going to start figuring out where is your niche. You can't just figure out based on purely that. And honestly, like the way Anna did it is perfect, right? She, she has a passion. She started it. And she didn't mention this, but she totally did not know video editing from her work. She learned everything online. And she was like talking about these B-rolls, jump cuts. I'm like, those are technical terms. And she was like, yeah, I'm watching a YouTube video. And I was like, Perfect, right? So she's a great example that you don't need that technical skills. And another tactical thing that you might want to do is just create a channel unlisted. Put up your videos unlisted. Share that link out. Whether to people that you trust, friends and family. Get the feedback and just keep doing it unlisted. So that you should just try things out and then just get started. Just publish one and see what happens, you know? Yeah, but I hope that's helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Collect that. We have one there, one there, and one there. Okay. Now comes a, a question from Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> what about storytelling? What about suspense? What about identification? When do you go in and get your, your viewer? Mm -hmm. And are you going to develop things for the viewer so they are suspense? Have the suspense on what's going to happen? Or is it just tell it all in the beginning and they'll be there. Mm. I wouldn't worry about it in the beginning because that will just overcomplicate things in the beginning. But once you have your groove on, as if I have any groove, um, that it just come, it came naturally to me. I can only speak to my own, um, own experience. But once I started doing YouTube full time and then actually sat down, go into the analytics, what people likes and actually talk to the community itself, ask them questions. That's uh, YouTube community tab is a very good use, a tool for that one. Just post there. There's a, there's a poll, uh, polling um, features available in the community tab section and ask them. I just, uh, like yesterday during the session, when they say, because after the pandemic, meet your, meet your community, talk to them in person, that type of subject was being talk, talked. So just during that session, I just went in, posted about it. So do you guys want to meet up? I just actually just asked. And this morning I checked like after 24 hours, like 10% of my audience does not want to see me. But the rest is like eager to meet. And I'm not fixating on that 10%. I'm fixating on the 90% who wants to meet up, talk to each other, meet each other. I'm, I'm very off tangent, um, very off topic. So as the community, I was more centered up around that, but you, you catch up, I suppose. And suspense-wise, I think I do have a 
um, so a solution example that I might share with you. I could possibly, if I can work it out. So I've just mentioned the, the silver plaque thing that from the day before, it's, it's not visually great. Okay, it's not, I'm just gonna tell it. Um, the last vlog that I put up before coming here was me receiving the 100,000 subscriber plaque thing. I was just trying to get to it. I was having trouble with because the post office closed down. I got there like nine minutes late and such. I had the package in my hand in the video, but I didn't open it. I said, you know what the next video is going to be? You know, so they will come back next week or the next one, right? So those suspenses would probably work in, for those ind individual creators. I mean, that, that type of suspense works for me, but you're going to have to like find out, figure out what works for you. And there's no shortcut to it. Just pay attention and just one work around, test it out. There's always, I can, we can always take a wrong step and then just maybe be aware, mindful of just acknowledging if you took a wrong step and step it back and then just try new things. And I think that's the best I can answer your question, sir. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I'm Jyoti from Parenting Lab. Uh, I have just started the YouTube channel. Uh, my audience are very neat, uh, the parents and the kids. <laughs> For the parent part, I have got the strategy about uh, how to do the mindful parenting tips and yeah, something like that. And then for the kids part, uh, I've done so many, you know, interesting, uh, the emotionally intelligent gifts for the kids, but uh, do you have any idea? So uh, uh, I should put their kids as my, you know, audience, because, you know, uh, the kids don't go to the YouTube and learn something from the YouTube themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so is it, you know, okay to kids? As my audience, mm -hmm. um, there's the YouTube for Kids section, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that works. Um, I'm not sure if it fully works in this situation, but I just an idea came into my mind when you were asking that points to similar question that the certain there asked was maybe have a separate channel, like one for the parents, one for the kids, or such, because the audience itself is so different that some content is intentionally made for parents and some content is intentionally made for kids. And then you, you're, the algorithm, the, the, the immense algorithm, <laughs> probably are not uh, having a hard time figuring out who to recommend your content to, maybe. So that way you could just have separate analytics that is supporting, supporting your um, distribution on that end. That just comes to mind, because, but um, yeah, that's the thing. Um, was that, was that what you were asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, the uh, mm -hmm. your idea is about making separate separate channel for the kids. Yeah, just just separate it. Because your topic is quite niche. It's already like very settled upon. So it doesn't have to be in under one name. Maybe just some system. I mean, try to using the brand, not brand connect. What's the word? Um, just be mindful of the back end of managing of that channel. But maybe separating them Definitely, maybe have your organization name in the beginning and then parents, maybe then your name and kids, maybe just use uh, that type of similar branding, but different channels might help. Hi, I'm Hi. from Myanmar. Hi. Um, the session is about, you know, start a YouTube channel, mm -hmm. but I would like to ask about the audience growth and uh, monetization. Mm -hmm. um, the channel I 
we're working on is now uh, start monetization. Before the monetization start on, we have a good um, uh, performing well on our channel with our audience. Uh, but after the monetization on, you know, YouTube suggestions is going down. Before it's like 80% suggestion we got, then to um, down to 20%. So do you have any experience on it? And is there any suggestion? But we use the same um, uh, strategies and tool, with thumbnail and SEO, but mm -hmm. yeah. So. Mm -hmm. I see. I see Sherilyn taking notes about it. So I think there is something being about to be done about it there. Um, personally, I don't. I didn't experience that much. I'm sorry to hear that that has been happening. But as long as the content strategy hasn't changed, uh, well, you don't have to keep the same strategy there. But try different things. I don't. I don't know how to answer the question fully. When you say monetization, that's the Google AdSense monetization you're referring to as right. Is Monetization enabled in Myanmar where advertisers can advertise, like companies in Myanmar can advertise? Okay, so it could be something to do with that, but the backend size I don't really much know much knowledge about. Grab Shirley after this, okay? So she'll be able to help you probably. Like, yeah, she would have much more better information to give you, I guess. Also, Hi, there. Mm -hmm. I'm Sabina from England. Um, I was just wondering about like, how did you get over the fear of the kind of vulnerability of putting yourself out there and anyone online can see you and judge you and hate you or whatever, you know? So like, how do you not care what the netizens are gonna think of you? You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. like, you're never gonna have everyone like you, you're gonna have haters. So how do you kind of emotionally protect yourself from the rejection and the being in a pub, you know, kind of public figure if you get that many subscribers and stuff, you know? Like, how do you, for example, not regret certain things that you've said or put out there? Or, yeah. You know, like, to what extent do you... Because some people also with their content, is very personal, talking about their, their life, their mental issues, whatever, right? So, like, how do you prepare... Like, how do you make the right decision of actually doing it instead of, like, you regret it or you mm. feel like, oh, I shouldn't have... I don't want everyone to know me and see my face, you know what I mean? Like, how do you navigate that? I was lucky enough to start my YouTube channel where people really was, wasn't watching YouTube in Mongolia. So I had some leeway in that section where I start, I was able to become comfortable at least filming myself and putting, up, putting it up. But the other side of it where people started commenting, that came later. And please, please be like, don't think that I'm, I'm indifferent to it. I am. I, I read every single comment. Probably I shouldn't, but I do. Just this morning I was like dealing with a bully. It happens all the time. But one trip, trick or thing that I found out is um, people are very prone to negativity. or I think it's called negativity bias or something. And if you've experienced a negative feeling or negative experience, we tend to say that. Right? Like we said, tend to complain. And if people experience positive ones, we just go, hmm, great. We don't even like the video sometimes. So be mindful of that. And then people who are commenting bad, like negativity down there, is not the majority, usually. Just think about that. And another thing that helps is ask your community. A uh, couple years back, um, I, I usually get commented or criticized for my weight, 
me being East Asian women, but with this type of figure, it's not that common. Well, it is. It is actually common, but we're stigmatized for it. Somehow you have to be tall and skinny and doesn't have boobs and you know, but but I get that a lot, and which I'm quite insecure about. Could be because I, I let it make me insecure in that sense. And sometimes, having had a journalistic background, I talk. Apparently, I talk properly, and that's a problem somehow. I talk. I use words that are too big for other people, seemingly, or so. So I get talk, criticized for being too official. What type of a what type of a complaint is that, right? So just try to approach those, especially the negativity that is coming from the outside with that type of mindset, that type of veil, where it doesn't really, not, not gonna, you don't try to let it get to you. Identify that problem there, and once you understand where that is coming from, it doesn't hurt you as much to that sense, but as being a woman, every month there is a period where it, it hits you deep, right? So those still happen, but asking your community or requesting, so a couple of years back, when I, just, I, just, I just started the story and forgot, I forgot it. Um, I almost broke down and almost quit YouTube. So because of being, I was being com uh, criticized so much, at least I went into that echo cham chamber where I was just concentrating on the negativity. So what I did was I just, I went back to the source of the problem, which is YouTube. <laughs> I filmed myself just talking about the, the hate that I've been getting, and I explained myself. So this is my thought process, this is how I'm shooting. Apparently people are having these types of issues with this, so this is why it's been done this way, la la la. So I, I, just, I didn't rant per se, I just explained what has been happening. And I asked the people who are watching and explained about the negativity bias, and. and all I've been seeing is negative comments here, and the positive comments haven't been shared so far, and I'm craving, I'm wishing you to write down if you found any value from the video, please share it in the comments so that I would know there are people finding value from what I'm creating. I, I broke down on the video, I mean, tears in my eyes. But I went ahead and posted it. To this day, this is the most loving comment comment section that I have received. People just acknowledges that, I mean, when you get that warm, that, that love from your community, they don't express it that well, and when you ask for it, they do. And every now and then when I'm struggling, I go back to that video and read the comments again. Are there like any tips that should be taken into consideration about putting yourself out there online? So for example, like I don't even post on any social media at all. Mm -hmm. You know, like no one knows anything about my life. I'm completely private. So it's like, what are the risks with sort of putting yourself online? You know what I mean? Like, apart mm -hmm. from the negative comments, mm. like I'm worried that there's going to be some kind of repercussion. You know what I mean? True, that you true. can't take back. That's not already seen anything. Be aware of that. I mean, I'm I'm worried that people doing home tours. Because you know you're basically sharing your address. Although you probably have, are not showing the address itself, you live in a one, live in a smaller city. They can figure out where you live and such. So be mindful of the what are you sharing is the first thing. And thankfully, when you're an adult who knows there are risks involved, you can make decision on on that one. 
So to this day, the most requested, requested video is a home tour for me. I've never done a home tour. I've just, you decide not to share things and that's okay. Viewers or your audience sometimes uh, unconsciously think that you're indebted to them or they're, they're entitled to your privacy, but they're not. You decide what to share and it's their decision whether to watch it or not. So you don't have to be succumbing to every request. That's a, that's a hard word. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that. Uh, but you decide what to post. But I would suggest you know, not use your real name. Maybe if, if you feel there is a danger to it. But SEO sense, I mean, keeping your, your real name helps. But take precautions that suits your uh, specific needs there under whichever that goes. I mean, it's a good thing that you don't post anywhere so you have a clean slate, you can just be smart about it, right? Just a fact that this is not my real surname. So if you were to, if you were to like look, it, look it up from the registry or not, where you can see other people's uh, living addresses and such, people won't find it. But this is a, a I don't want to say the word, but like the persona that I created, all my social media is under this name, but it's not my official name that's on my passport. So you can do similar things like a pseudonym, right, or like a pen name. I know it's my name, but not my surname. So do similar things to that. That Whichever works for your case, I'm not fully sure what's your situation here, but at least this helped and me not sharing things that I feel uncomfortable sharing, I just didn't. There's one, I think there was another man I think he was um, trying to get in question like, way earlier, and I will get to you next. No, I, just, I just wanted to just, uh, oh. respond to something real quick as a part of the Google team. I, I just have to say that you know, I'm, I'm, take, I'm actually taking care of the news, of the news part of, mm -hmm. the, of, the, of Google, and um, I think I've got a lot of, you know, a lot of those, like mostly journalists who just want to be like, you know, and like, yeah. who wants to be anonymous, they just want, they don't want to be exposed, and, the social medias or those like that. Just find a way around. I think, you know, once you know that where is your, you know, what you want to be, you know, in terms of you want to put yourself out there like a new, or you want to do something that completely, you know, doesn't have to show yourself yeah. and that's okay. You know, find okay. a way around. There's a lot of ways that you can put your contents out there. Maybe if you want to write something or you want to post, you know, something on, on YouTube. It's just so many ways that you can put sure. your creativities out there that doesn't have to put yourself, you know, in you know, in the public. True. Yeah. So it's, you know, find way you can find a way around. Ask us, you ask me, ask Shirley, a lot of us will be able to help. Video video essays does it so well, especially those who talk cover uh, films. They just use footage from the films and only thing that we know of the, them is the the voice. I might not even recognize him him or them like in the streets, but I'm an avid follower of those channels where their names is not included in it. So I think that's reflective of that one, uh, that case. So just do, do what you do you, whichever that is helpful to you um, in your case. I think. Hi, uh, I'm from Sri Lanka. Hi. Uh, before the content release, uh, YouTube have a section, we know uh, we can put some uh, tags, not a description, mm -hmm. under the description. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my question is uh, better, which is a better way? The, we, 
we are put the text a similar content YouTube channel name or person name or characters name or uh, in that time a popular uh, YouTube content or person's name because uh, uh, for example I'm doing the talk show based most probably the talk show based content mm -hmm. uh, I'm doing normally I put uh, same content creators name mm -hmm. same content YouTube channels name mm -hmm. uh, what do you think about it? Mm, true. Um, what I think is anything that you put up there should be representative of your content itself. I mean, if it includes, if you're doing an interview with a certain person who is of interest to their viewers, certainly go ahead, put their name in it. As long as they're actually in the video, right? Be more, actually fully represent the video in all the components that you're putting out there. Make sure to do that. And also, if you're collaborating with different, um, um, YouTubers, there is a feature in the YouTube titles where if you say, if you insert the at symbol, you can tag other creators in the title or also in the description, but I find it useful to tag them in the title so that people who want to see, go to their channel already have a link there and such. So be as descriptive as possible, like clear, descriptive, and accurate there. And these fields are there for a reason and use it to your full extent uh, potential there but don't like copy and paste like the same thing there be try like i mean don't be overly like similar there. i think they were asking the, the thing within your question there so just try to evaluate which fits best i mean if it's the visuals that you want to convey better put it in the the thumbnail but if you want it to be discovered through search, and if it's an important matter, put it in the title. And some other things that will help you, the content to be discovered, put it in the description down the line. But always be descriptive and not clickbait. Is usually, because clickbaits tend to just anger the audience and have uh, the opposite effect in the long run. Does that answer your question? Okay. Let's do that now. Uh, if you if you like to, well, I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need to. <laughs> Does it have to be video on YouTube? Because I'm the radio guy, you know, podcast, something like that. Can you do podcast without the YouTube? Yeah, I mean, it used to be like all, in in my country, um, people thought vlog meant any video put up on a, on YouTube. And then it changed into people started thinking videos on YouTube is called podcasts. Because people have been putting up podcasts so much, sometimes people who, who, people who don't know better thinks content on YouTube is called podcast. I find it bizarre. So, but still, meaning you can, too, you can put up whatever you want. It's probably podcast going to be a very big file size. And if you can manage that, do it. I mean... YouTube is probably the best content management platform in my idea because it's the, the categorization, the management side, it's so, I find it very useful and easy to understand and navigate. So if, you, if you're doing podcasts, which is catering to different um, type of platforms, but go where your viewers or audience are, put it up on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, whichever, Spotify, and even on YouTube. I don't think they, won't be, they would be mad about it. <laughs> Okay, thank you everyone for joining and thank you. So, thank you so much.
You've been listening to a session recording from Splice Beta 2022. Let us know what you think. You'll find us on splicemedia.com. This is a Splice Podcast, and it's produced by Norman Chella and Podchaser. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Google, International Fund for Public Interest Media, International Media Support, Konrad Adenauer Stiftung, Luminate, Media Development Investment Fund, Meta, and Telem Media. This is Splice.